All right. Welcome back to the Pace Off Spot. This is Rose Adam Larson, and I'd like to thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. I always really appreciate it when you guys tune in. I also really appreciate our sponsor at Howie's Hockey Tape Company. Uh, if you would like 10% off of your hockey tape purchase, you can enter the coupon code FACEOFF10, that's FACEOFF and then the number 10, into the coupon code to get 10% off of your Howie's Hockey purchases. Uh, thanks again to Howie's and uh, also thank you to our next guest here. Um, I know that um, the majority, I would say the majority of our guests come from the Dallas-Fort Worth area, but I've had plenty of people out from Tulsa and Oklahoma City. Um, and I think it's really important to understand that uh, a lot of the coaches from this area, they all know each other and, and most of them have played, uh, you know, professional hockey at some point or another. And um, with me being uh, an Oklahoma and being from Oklahoma, I kind of like to figure out what's going on in Oklahoma City. What's going on in Tulsa? Who, who are these people that are there? And uh, today we actually get to talk to somebody. Uh, he's an ex-professional goaltender, uh, spending some time with the Oklahoma City Blazers. And although I'm a Tulsa guy, uh, I still have a lot of respect uh, for the Blazers here. But uh, I would welcome, uh, I'd like to welcome onto the show today. Oh, he's also the uh, 12U AA um, uh, coach of the uh, Oil Kings up in Oklahoma City. Uh, Oklahoma City has a lot of good hockey up there and uh, plenty of good coaches. And I just wanted to get to know them a little bit better. So today on the show, we have Sean Connors. Thank you, Sean, for coming on the show. Yeah, Adam, thanks a lot. To- appreciate the invite and um big fan of big fan of the podcast hey and uh, i appreciate that because when i actually reached out to you i wasn't quite sure you know uh, i bug some people that have never uh, heard the podcast or heard of the podcast and sometimes i can still get them on but it makes me feel like extra like yes when somebody's like hey yeah no i've listened to them i think it's great and i would love to come on and i'm excited about it uh, it just gives me a little bit of extra pep in my step uh, for when we end up doing the episode so uh I appreciate you for listening to, uh, to some of the episodes. I know that you've had some of your uh, ex-teammates slash friends slash, uh, you know, uh, fellow coaches. There have been some of those on the podcast, so uh, we always appreciate it when uh, people like yourself tune in. But uh, anyway, this is your episode. This is not theirs, so we're going to start the show off the same way we start all of them off. And you have to tell everybody how you got involved in the sport of hockey. Might not necessarily have been the first time that you touched the ice, but what got you involved? Uh, sometimes it's family. Sometimes it's just kind of a, a random ice rink sighting. Um, but can you kind of walk us through uh, how you got involved in the sport? Yeah, you bet. I think growing up in camp, um, just like a lot of the others on your podcast, uh, it's somewhat of a, a natural progression. Um, you know, my, my mom and dad both played hockey as, uh, as kids and, you know, it was just, it was something that I guess I was just born into. Um, I, I started skating at three, uh, started skate playing actual organized hockey at five and I just kept playing through my mid twenties and here I am now coaching the youth. Hey, well, it's the full spectrum of life. You know, you're bored. Uh, a few years go by, you put high, ice hockey skates on, then you don't take them off till you die. So that's, that's usually how it works. But um, when you're starting off, though, you're three years old. Um, are you skating outdoors? Um, is, is that where you end up skating? So we, we did skate outdoors. Now I would say that probably came, you know, six, seven, maybe five, actually. Um, I think at three is when my mom and dad put me in to kind of learn to skate and you get out on the skate or on the ice with a, a chair and push it around and, and try to figure it out on your own. And, you know, once, uh, once I started playing organized hockey, um, you know, that's kind of when the outdoor rink came into play and that, that was huge for us. We had, we had two sheets of ice back home. I grew up in a town called Okotoks, Alberta. Um, and the, the hockey was was pretty big there. So the ice was somewhat limited, but you know, we did have an outdoor sheet behind the rink. So mom and dad would drop us off at, you know, nine, 10 in the morning, give us a couple bucks. We would, uh, buy a hot chocolate through the day and then go hit the pay phone, 
you know, when we, uh, when it was time to leave or it got dark and you'd, you'd make a collect call. And when they ask what your name is, you just say, <laughs> it's me, come get me. And you hang the phone up and they'd meet you out front of the rink. So, <laughs> well, Hey, uh, well, well, Hey, that's just a little, uh, pro-life tip right there. Uh, you know, but I, I don't think a lot of the younger kids listening to this will understand the, uh, uh, the collect phone calls that, that occurred back in the day. Um, I do have to get into this a little bit because um, and I usually ask this when people start like at a super early age of like three. Um, how long did you start just skating? And then how long would you say that it took to get like a stick in your hand uh, and you're out? You're actually out there, you know, with the stick and putt. Were you just skating for a little while or did, did the stick and putt come along just uh, right after? Yeah, I skated for a couple of years. So I, I would say I probably skated from the ages of three to to five and then five was kind of the first time that i really got into hockey i mean i i was walking around the house with a stick of shooting pucks or balls in the basement but you know once it was time where i could play organized hockey at five that's that's when i really uh kind of kicked into into high gear and wanting to wanting to be a hockey player at, at a young age yeah, well, where I'm going with this, Sean, and this is usually what I do with the goalies, because uh, I did play uh, goalie growing up uh, competitively. I always played both positions, uh, so I was obviously never the best goalie because I was too busy doing both things. But I always really try and tell, and even parents today, I try and tell them that they really need to become good skaters before they actually start playing that position. We haven't gotten to the point where you start playing goalie, and we will get to that. But just for, you know, because there are a lot of parents that listen to this, how much emphasis would you put on learning how to skate uh, before you kind of start getting into, you know, hockey or especially goaltending? Um, I do feel like um, nowadays, sometimes you end up with goalies that are kind of, and I don't want to uh, paint this with a, a broad brush, but sometimes you get goalies that are more like, well, I don't really want to skate. That doesn't sound like a lot of fun. So like, I'll just uh, think about playing goalie when in reality, your goalie has to be your best skater. And I know some people think that's cliche to say, but it's absolutely true. Um, but but from from your perspective at your age now, looking back on it, um, I mean, how much uh, do you believe kind of that, uh, you know, skating was important to kind of do that for a little bit before you got, you know, involved in the sport itself? No, Adam, you're exactly right. It's uh, obviously skating is the name of the game in general, um, whether you're a forward, a defenseman, a goalie, I think. You know, with the progression of goaltending, especially skating is very important. Um, you know, you, the, the, the position has changed a lot over the years and, you know, it's changed through my, uh, my time as a hockey player and, and even as a coach, you know, to now, but you, you know, you focus on edge work and different things with the forwards and the defensemen, but goaltending is really very similar edge work is is huge um power is huge um you know even though you, you i wasn't a big goalie by any stretch and was more of a uh kind of a mark andre flurry two pad slide <laughs> check kind of guy um but you even the big guys now who play deep in their net they're still really good skaters and they they're you know, when they push side to side, it's, it's about power and, and quickness and, you know, it, it, it is huge and it, uh, you know, it's something that, you know, kids and, 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 you know, kids particularly should, should put a huge focus on, but, you know, you'll see, you'll see guys in the NHL still focusing on, you know, getting better at crease movements and different things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's one of those things too, to where. It, like if, if you know what you're looking for, you can definitely see how much goalies use their edge work. But I think to the untrained eye, and this this isn't a huge deal, but to the untrained eye looking at it, it's like, oh, well, that guy's not moving forward. I don't see him skating. So there's probably not a lot of skating involved, but there is uh, when you consider it edge work. And, you know, some of the best and there's always kind of a thing. And I, um, it's funny you brought up Marc-Andre Fleury because um, I have heard and kind of seen but he's actually a tremendous skater. He is supposed to be uh, one of the best skaters on that team as far as his edge work and his ability. Um, I, I saw some clips where he, I think he threw on uh, some forward skates and was very, very impressive. But 
I think just sometimes to the untrained eye, just because you don't see the edge work, because you got a bunch of pads on and you can't really see the feet. Um, but you know, th there's still a lot going on there. And I, I try and tell that, to um, you know, uh, families that are uh, deciding to get crazy and have one of their sons or daughters play goalie, um, that there <laughs> is, you know, a lot of, uh, that there's a lot of skating that uh, needs to go into that. But as long as I got your approval on that, I try, you know, when, when there is somebody that's played as high levels of you and they played goalie, I kind of just like to ask this question just to kind of reaffirm uh, what I had already thought. But just because you don't see them skating end to end, um, it's just crazy the amount of edge work uh, uh, that they're capable of doing. But uh, anyway, Sean, back to your uh, career here. Um, at what point do you end up in net? Um, because you, you said you started, now you're kind of starting to play hockey, you're around five or six. Uh, what crazy thing happens? I mean, this happened to me, but what crazy thing happens or what goes through your head that's like, I think goalie sounds like fun. How did, how does that come to be? So it's actually kind of a funny story. So I, I always played out until I think I was about 10 years old, maybe 11. And I was actually a pretty good forward. I loved scoring goals. I loved, you know, just stick handling that aspect of the game but when i'd play street hockey or i would go to the outdoor rink i had kind of an old old set of gear that i would i just i couldn't i always had to have it on and i just loved something about goaltending you know as a kid i can remember you know watching the uh cbc hockey night in canada every saturday and and just watching the goalies and mocking their moves and so i think it was my second year of what we call it adam in or it was called adam in in canada um so i i think i was 11 12 ish so that was back when you know your parents would go to the rink and they'd physically sign you up with the you know, pen on paper type of deal. It's not, you know, <laughs> electronic like today. And yeah. And my dad, before he left the house, he said, okay, what position do you want to play this year? And I kind of jokingly said, well, I'll be the goalie. <laughs> and out the door he went and in the door he came with a, a set of goalie gear. And he said, all right, here's your, here's your gear. The association, you know, this is what they're giving you to use this year. And and I said, well, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait a minute. Like, I wasn't really serious. And he said, well, no, you said you want to be the goalie. You're going to be the goalie. And that's where it started. So I had an <laughs> old brown horsehair filled set of pads and probably different color blocker and trapper. And, and uh, I, I think I made it on the, the Adam B team that year, which I probably would have been on the A team if I was still playing out, but uh -huh. you know, embraced it and you know, here, uh, here we went. It was, uh, it was a great experience for me. So. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it sounds kind of similar. Uh, cause my dad was, a. I mean, he didn't play professional or anything, but he was a good player when he was growing up and he, uh, coached a bunch. Uh, he coached me for the majority of my, uh, you know, hockey career, but I can remember being, I think I was probably like six or seven. And I told him I wanted to play goalie. And it's one of those to where like I'd never played goalie. And I think my dad just kind of assumed like, okay, like you think that, but you don't really want to. So there was just kind of like uh, old pads laying around because he wasn't going to buy me new pads because I had actually never played the position before. But there were some old pads laying around the rink and the chest protector was made of cloth. I don't think there was any actual padding in it. Uh, the pads that I had were those old, uh, the brown pads that would end up being like twice as heavy. Uh, oh, yeah. after, <laughs> after the game. But the thing was is that I, I played a whole season wearing those old heavy pads, getting score and doing whatever. And then after that first season, he's like, okay, like, fine. I guess, I guess if you're still willing or wanting to play this position after this whole season, then we'll go ahead and get you gear. So I finally got to get gear, but he was just, I think he was really, I think he, first of all, didn't want me to play the position itself. But secondly, he thought I would just get kind of tired of it. Neither, uh, neither of which happened. Uh, so you know how it goes. He buying hockey or he's buying goalie equipment now every uh, other uh, season, which was kind of a whole thing. But uh, yeah, it, it's uh, kind of interesting the 
the creation of uh, certain goalies careers because they're always a little bit different into how they fall into that. Um, but like, to be honest with you, like 10 or 12 for, you know, playing professional hockey as, as a goaltender. I mean, that is, a I don't want to say it's late, 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 but it's a little later, right? I mean, 10, 12. Yeah, you know, especially today, you know, it's funny because we went through this whole deal where it was, okay, put the kid that can't skate in net. And it's like, well, you know, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about being a good skater as a goalie. And so I still see that in youth hockey today. And, and it, it's, it's, it's strange because. It's like, okay, we'll take the kid that we think is maybe not so athletic, but he's bigger. He's, it's a way for him to play the game and put him in net. Well, I mean, the goalie should be an athletic kid, uh, you know, a kid that can move and things like that. So mm-hmm. it, uh, it, it is kind of funny how, you know, how that still happens, but it is, uh, you know, it's a, it's a position that, uh, takes a lot, you know, mm-hmm. mentally, physically um you know it's uh it is quite uh quite a different position well and the thing is and i feel like you will pick up on this and you know if people play goalie they'll pick up on this too but um (laughs) i almost had a and this is me as like a young child up until i don't know 15 16 but i would have straight up i'd feel like i was gonna throw up before every game every game super almost like a mid anxiety attack before every game but as soon as I stepped out onto the ice, I was fine. Like I was like, I was much better. I just needed to kind of like work through those things. But like, it was almost just like that. Um, it's like, I might be the reason that we win this whole thing, or I might be the reason that we lose. Like you really feel like you're a super, because you are, you're a super important part of that whole machine of your team that's going on. And sometimes that it, it's like when, you can have a, certainly a big rush from having a game-winning goal, skating out, or you know, making a good play, or doing these things. But there is nothing like stealing a game for your team. You stole it from the other team. You played so well, the other team just can't get it past you. Like those wins were, I was almost addicted to that type of like rush of just like, man, ah, it's all on me. Like I got to do it. Like I can, I can decide if we win or lose, even if that wasn't the case, that was in my head is that I was the one that got to decide if I played well enough, we should at least be able to tie, you know what I mean? But there, there was a little bit of that, that rush that really just, I don't know, it, it excited me for a really long time. And I don't know. Did you ever feel that way? Yeah, it's funny. So last week, my son and I are driving to the rink and, uh, and, and we played uh, a DSE team um, two weeks ago. And obviously for us in Oklahoma City playing a DSE team, you know, we're, uh, you know, we, we don't have the luxury of having, say, uh, an age-specific team. So we have, you know, half first years, half second years. Yep. yep. So we always know, okay, we're going to play a Dallas Stars elite team. It's going to be a tough game. So the first game, my son had a decent game, but you know, wasn't on top. So I asked him, I said, you know, what was the deal on that Saturday game? And he said, well, you know, I was a little nervous. And I said, what do you mean you're nervous? And he said, well, you know, we're playing DSC and I know some kids on that team and this and that. And I said, look, buddy, I said, those were the games that I loved to play, you know, all through, you know, minor hockey and my Western hockey league career and playing professional it was a rush, you know, and, and it was, uh, it was one of those things that you knew that you mattered and, you know, uh, hockey is, you don't want it to be a 10 to nine game, right? It's, uh, it's one of those things where you, you know, you understand that you play a vital role in, in the success of the team. And I just, as my career went on, I was probably maybe too relaxed before games. I was the guy that was, you know, goofing off, maybe playing pool or, or, uh, hanging out in the, uh, in the, you know, somewhere else in the locker room till 15 minutes 
prior to game time. And then that's kind of when it switched on. But in those 15 minutes while I was getting dressed and then you're about to step on the ice, you know, you, 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 it's not, it wasn't so much anxiety, but it was just kind of like you said, that rush of, all right, it's about to happen. You know, it, it's my turn. I've got to go out. I've got you know, be there for my teammates. I got to stop pucks and that's all there is to it. Yeah. You know, yeah. we, I have to, I have to, you know, more than the other guy at the other end. And I got to make sure that we score one more than they do. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, no, I, I fully understand the uh, <laughs> kind of rush factor behind it. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, one of the things I kind of picked up on, which I think is funny too, you know, uh, you're saying before the games, you were calm and you know, kind of do whatever. I, um, you know, it's been a while since I played goalie, but I, I've coached for the past you know, probably eight or nine years. In a row. Um, but it's one of those things where now when I have goalies, I don't even, I, I, I try and leave them alone. If they're acting super serious, fine. Like if they're, it's almost like they, uh, goalies kind of get, uh, I mean, unless you have like a goalie coach, that's like super intense or whatever. I feel like for the most part, it's like, I don't know, nobody understands goalies. So as long as they're playing well, just kind of let them you know, pre-game to whatever works best for them. Like, don't get in their way, uh, which is a little bit different than like the rest of the team. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have sure. it because you don't, you know, I don't want anybody to put any stressors on my goalie before the game. Like, he can go and do whatever he wants to, really, for the most part. I'm being pretty open and honest about this because just the amount of uh, responsibility and the amount of like mental toughness that it takes is like look like if uh, doing a crossword puzzle before the game is what works best for you uh, you go ahead and just do that if you want to go uh, run laps that's fine too but it's like each goalie kind of has their own little uh, you know um, mindset before the game and as long as they're kind of in a competitive mindset during the game uh, you know before the game can kind of just be whatever but it's like you'll have people like yourself and you know you've obviously you know played high level pro but then you'll have somebody else that might before a game who is is a good goalie as well they're you know super serious or they're you know meditating or they're you know just in this like trance or whatever it is but what's funny is that depending on the goalie the result really doesn't change that much depending on whatever so it's like i feel like the goaltending position is very specific to all sorts of different mindsets and it's like you can't really just say like no you need to be focused before the game because it's really just, it's so mental that, no, it's like, what what is going to prepare you as our goalie on this team? What's going to prepare you best? Whatever that is, like, you know, the coaches, I feel like, can kind of be a little bit standoffish about their goalies because, hey, I don't know. I, I can't get in your head. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, it's, it's funny because, you know, you talk to talk to people in the hockey world and and they always say oh goalies are the weird guys you know they're weird they they're pre-game routines and this and that and i think for years i was the guy that was like i'm not being the weird guy so if you, <laughs> if you guys want to put me in that category i'm not doing it so i probably like over overdid it to not be one of the weird <laughs> goalies i guess if you will and yeah. it, you know and that was probably you know, and and like it, I just love the game. I love to have fun. I love the locker room, you know, and I, I, I always found that if I took it too serious and just overthought it, that the result wasn't going to be what I wanted. And, mm -hmm. and I just, I, 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 I did play with goalies that were different. I played most of the goalies I played with were pretty straight and narrow, just you know, ordinary guys. I didn't play with a whole lot of what Characters. you would call the weird guys. You know yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean? yeah, yeah. You know, there was the few guys that you knew, okay, from this time to this time, let them be. Mm -hmm. You know, and just don't talk to them. They're getting mentally prepared. Just let them be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I don't know if you remember, he's been on the podcast before, and I think he played a little bit in Oklahoma City, but I don't know if it was when you were there, but uh, I've had Rod Branch on the podcast. And oh yeah, if if if, if you want to talk about like he's just the funniest guy. Like I don't think it's like outside. And I've never been in a locker room with him. I've never you know played hockey at a professional level with him. But just you think he's just the goofiest, funniest 
guy ever. But when he steps on the ice, it's like, man, this guy is just, he just battles and just whatever. So I think sometimes you just kind of have to negate like, hey, if they're off the ice, just, yeah, whatever. Like it, it all, it all really matters once they, once they step on the ice there. But I, I found that to be the case, at least with him, uh, when I, when I spoke with him. Yeah, I think I played, but I might've played my first year in Oklahoma city against Rod. Cause I know I played for sure at least one year against him. Cause I stole one of his shootout moves. He, uh, oh, he, there you go. he would literally, you know, the guy would pick up the puck at center ice and he was out there and he had his stick out in the poke check already. And my first. Basically, my I'd only had one year of shootouts prior to playing pro in the Western Hockey League. At the time, there was no shootouts. It was just overtime, oh, no. and, yeah. and that was it. So I come down to play in the Central Hockey League, and now all of a sudden there's there's shootouts, and yeah. you know the first few games, like I'm getting roasted, and Coach Sauter's just light me up, and uh, so I thought, well, I mean, I might as well just play this like a defenseman. I saw this other guy do it; it worked for him. And, yeah. So here I was out with the poke check, you know, wait for this to come in and some works and some didn't. Yeah. Well, well, but, the, but the thing is, is that like, if you're out there, like kind of, um, teasing the poke check a little bit right off the beginning, it at least throws a little wrench in whatever they have going on in their head, you know, at least because it's like at that point, they're far enough away to like, well, why is he presenting a poke check at this point? Like, I really feel like there can be some kind of like, you don't see him as much anymore, but like some small mind games, you know, uh, every once in a while, it's all, it's all, sometimes uh, it's about mind games. No, that's right. And, and you know, like my, my goalie stick kind of evolved. Like I, I started with the little trigger finger where you, they cut the, cut, cut a little area for my trigger finger. So you can grab the stick. And, and, yeah. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. once I got into this, like kind of obsession with poke checks i so i i got my pattern of my stick to be made as long as possible so i i think sherwood or somebody was the the provider of the sticks back then the rep come through and i said hey whatever the maximum length i can have on this stick that's what i want and now i was gaining you know another foot on my poke checks Mm-hmm. which was which was unexpected by the people coming down on the you know sure, uh, sure. yeah i mean they're Absolutely. they're not expecting that extra foot that's right that's right well and especially i mean if you're thinking about that length that length doesn't really throw you off because it's kind of above you a little bit you know what i mean and it's not super heavy so yeah see see that's smart and it's funny not to bring up rod again but he went through this whole he spoke for like 10 minutes on like all the modifications he made on all of his equipment if it was just like, but he did the same thing you did when he's talking about cutting out that trigger finger. He's like, yeah, yeah, I just cut that out. He said it allowed him to play the puck better and kind of just, you know, uh, do everything a little bit better. But it's funny how, uh, how closely at this point it's like, oh yeah, you guys were all doing the same tricks. Just try to, uh, get a, get an edge. Um, but you know, that's what you got to do, you know, when you're playing against uh, some of the best people in the world. Um, but anyway, I do want to get to, cause we've been having great conversation, but I do, I do kind of want to get back to your. A whole story here but um you're, you're playing um at what point though does it get kind of um uh competitive uh in juniors and um is there any kind of at that point is there any kind of like uh should i go do this or was it like oh like i'm absolutely good enough to go do this like what is that transition from uh competitive hockey we'll call it uh how does that transition happen into juniors which is you know a level of a, a competitive. Yeah. So my, my hockey kind of took off pretty quick. Um, so I had my first year playing, uh, playing goalie. And then, and I think actually that year we won the provincial championship. Um, and it was kind of a cool year because I got to play goalie one game and then got to play player the next game. So I was, I was able to still kind of, be the player that I wanted to be, but I could also be the goalie. Uh, the next year would have been my first year of Pee Wee. I played on the A team and we won another provincial championship. So it was like, okay, you know, maybe, maybe I am all right at this. And then fast forward two years from that. Now I'm 
trying out for the Bantam AAA team. Well, in my hometown, we didn't have AAA. You know, I'm living 15 minutes south of Calgary, but due to zoning restrictions, I can't physically play in Calgary. So I try out for the team that I'm kind of zoned under, which is 15 minutes north of Calgary. So I go through the whole tryout process and I, I'm the last goalie cut. So I thought, okay, cool. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of there, you know, this is the triple A team. So I go back home, go to double A tryouts. All of a sudden I get cut. So I'm like, okay, well, I made it past all these other goalies that made the team this year. Now what? So the double A coach in Airdrie, Alberta, where the triple A team was, they called and said, Hey, we heard you just got cut. Do you want to play double A hockey in Airdrie? So, you know, my mom and dad were graciously enough to say, yeah, we'll drive you. Um, you know, I think it was a little bit out of the cards at first, based on the fact that if I play AAA, there's other kids from town, so we could carpool and things like that. Now it's just mom or dad taking me. So they they allowed me to play, and we, you know, I played that year. The next year I played Bantam AAA. Then the next year I played Midget AAA. Um, was fortunate enough to win the the Max Midget tournament in Calgary there, which is a a pretty big deal. And then the next year I was in the Western hockey league. So I played, uh, I played the first year, her first half of the year for the Calgary Hitmen, And, um, they, the Hitmen had won the, the league championship the year before and were taking another run in, at it. And there was two, uh, two 17 year olds. I don't know. You might remember the other guy, Brent Cron. He had a, a little stint with, uh, with Dallas there for a bit. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, ranked really high in central scouting and I was ranked, you know, lower. And so I got traded at the trade deadline to Moose Jaw and spent a couple of years there and then played a year in medicine hat for the Tigers. And then it got to my 20 year old year where, you know, you can only have three 20 year olds in the, in the Western hockey league per team. So, you know, there's six of us guys at training camp. And, you know, me and my roommate kind of figured uh, we were probably the two guys that were out. My roommate was actually uh, late Derek Bugard. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, absolute. What a, absolute what a gem. Oh, uh, what a, yeah. Well, just what a great, I mean, yeah. Everybody loves him from all the teams that he's played on. Just, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, just, Incredible. just great, great, great hockey player. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So him and I were talking and we were like, Kind of see the writing on the wall. So I said, well, I'm going to go talk to the coach. So the coach was, uh, was a new coach. It was actually Willie Desjardins. And so I went and talked to Willie and I said, Willie, like, you know, what's the deal here? You know, I said, I have an opportunity to, uh, to go play in Tulsa. So I had a buddy from, um, from home that was playing in Tulsa. I don't know if you remember Jamie Steer. Oh yeah. So yeah, Jamie, right. yep. yeah. So Jamie was, he, he got me a, a contract there if I wanted it, you know, so I could skip my 20 year old year and just, you know, kind of go get my pro career going. And so Willie said, yeah, you know what? I, you know, we don't really know what the deal is right now. He said, you're honestly better off just going and doing that. So, so now I have about a month to kill and, you know, prior to the central hockey league tryout start. And so I went to Kindersley, Saskatchewan, where my mom grew up and was just skating with the, uh, the junior A team there. And the coach, you know, kept bugging me about staying there. And finally he said, look, he said, I know the coach in Oklahoma city. He said, you know, it's, they got this brand new arena and blah, blah, blah. I just kind of went on and on about it. And he said, I guarantee I can get you a contract there next year. So just, you know, play one more year junior and. So I decided to stay. I was fortunate enough to uh, to live with my aunt and uncle there for the year. So that was my billet family. So that was, uh, you know, obviously a cool experience for me. And so our, it was kind of an odd year. So my team loses out in the first round of playoffs. I, a teammate of mine and myself drive down to Oklahoma City. We're now joining the Blazers for you know their playoff run 
So we drive to the Tulsa Convention Center, meet the team, watch, you know, Oklahoma City play Tulsa, follow the bus back to Tulsa. Now we're getting ready for the round of playoffs. Um, Oklahoma City loses out in the first round of playoffs. And then I get a call from my coach in the Saskatchewan League, and he says, hey, the humble Broncos just won the league championship. They're allowed to pick up a third goalie. Do you want to drive back and, and join them? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, absolutely. So back in the vehicle, I drove, drove back to Kinderslade, dropped uh, the other guy off, some stuff up, drove to Humboldt, and I met the team. So we get on the bus, and now we're playing in the Anavit Cup against the uh, OCN Blizzard. So it's the winner of Saskatchewan, winner of Manitoba. They face off, and and the winner of that goes to the Royal Bank Cup in in, uh, in Canada. There, so I the first game, the coach comes to me and he says, "Hey, I'm, I'm going to dress you tonight." And I looked at him, probably like he had about three eyeballs, and because you're the third, I, you're the third goalie. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, yeah. I didn't get the team there my team lost in the first round he said no 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 the, the yeah. guys want you you know you're gonna dress he said i'll play the other guy but you know we just we want you on the bench mm-hmm. so we end up winning that game and then the next game he comes to me and he says the guys want you to play tonight you're playing tonight oh and i said whoa are you sure about that he said no everybody's in he said i talked to the other two goalies they're okay with it they just want to win, which was really cool. Like he was probably two of the best guys that I've ever yeah. had the opportunity to play with. He obviously was a short, you know, period of time, but just two guys that just wanted to win. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I played, we won. I think we went back to Humboldt. Um, I think the other guy played, we lost. Then we win two more. And now we're off to the Royal Bank Cup. So we get to the Royal Bank Cup. The, coaches like you're playing so we win the first two games the third game doesn't matter we're in the semifinals i went to the coach and said hey play these two guys split them i'll hang out so they played semifinals we win championship we win won a royal bank cup with with the team that i was with for a month so it was <laughs> uh, it was a pretty cool experience and then the next year was was on to uh, to Oklahoma City to to start a pro career. Well, hey, and I have to go back to these two goalies because you know um, goalies are just I would say athletes in general, especially high level athletes. I mean, there can be a little bit of an ego. I mean, but you kind of need a little bit of an ego to uh, kind of have your confidence about you with with what you will. Um, but it sounds like they wanted to because they had already kind of the the two goalies, not you, but the other two goalies. They had the they had put their work in. They had gotten their team uh, far enough into the playoffs. They were a part of that success. But you think at a certain point they realized that hey, the 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 best thing that we could do for this team right now is allow this guy to step in. Like that's got to be a huge thing because that is not. I, I don't feel like that is common. Um, but uh, you have to give a lot of those guys a lot of respect. Those bullies for saying hey. Like, we're doing what we think is best for the team. Uh, if this guy's hot or if we think this guy gives our team the best chance to win, then we're going to put that guy in. But you don't find that a whole lot. I mean, how did, how did you react to that um, with them being that way? Because, I mean, you, you, you've just gotten there and you're trying to, I, I feel like, kind of just fit in where you get in. But then all of a sudden, you know, coaches are telling you that, you know, you're playing and it, you, you become much more involved much quicker than you probably think. But as far as the two goalies, I mean, that doesn't happen a lot. And I, I mean this in the best way, like they put the team first. Yeah, it, it was, it was really cool. And I think, I think the culture of that team, our coach was a guy named Bob Beatty, who was just a phenomenal guy. And the the whole, the culture of that team was just based around kind of team first winning you know, win at all costs, lay it on the line type of deal. And, and I think, you know, these two guys just ultimately, you know, had enough pride and, and, you know, the ability to, 
to to step out and say, hey, we think that this guy's our best chance to to win. And you know, for me, it was it was a little a bit nerve wracking, you know, because I honestly just expected to show up and be the, you know, the third guy and, you know, be the guy that's out at the end of practice having to, you know, take one timers and, and things like that, not, mm-hmm. you know, be on not the ice the sun, for yeah. 30 minutes and getting off, you know, type of thing. Yeah. But yeah. So, you know, those guys are, they were incredible. And, you know, it, like I said, it kind of speaks volume of the culture that, that was established there. And, um, you know, I, I was pretty fortunate to play with, with a lot of good goalies through the year, like in Oklahoma City, Boyd Ballard and Sebastian Satomo and Jason Wolf. Like those three guys, I had really good relationships with. And, you know, there was friendly competition, but at the same time, like you weren't sitting on the bench, like hoping that the, you know, the guy let in four goals so I could get in. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a funny story. I'm playing, I think it was my second year. And so it's, it's Boyd Ballard's night to start the game. And I kind of had a day where I knew I wasn't going to be playing. So I was doing stuff around the house, not really honestly being prepared if I have to go in and I didn't eat very well. And there's a buddy of mine, he, uh, he was kind of, you know, helped out around the locker room. And so I sent him a text and I said, the guy's name is Casey Hufford. I sent him a text. I said, Casey, go up to the concourse and get me two hot dogs right now. I said, I'm starving. I just, I need something to eat. So Casey runs up to the concourse, runs down to the locker room, grabs me two hot dogs. I shove them in my pads. I do like my one lap around, you know, with the lights off, off to the bench. Perfect. So I'm, you know, the game gets going and Boyd's having a rough night and, you know, I'm, I'm like, oh, Boyd, you're like, come on, you know, let's get it together here. You know, this, this is your night, not my yeah. night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And literally, so I'm, I, I would wait till the play went kind of, you know, to the other end where everybody's head in the rink is kind of looking the opposite way. And, and then I pull this hot dog out of my <laughs> pants and or out of my pads and take a quick bite and back in there and next thing you know if they score i'm like mid bite of a hot dog and here comes solder gotta get in there and so i'm now i'm waiting for the bench to stop looking at me so i can dig hot dog wrappers and whatnot out of my pads and you know she <laughs> stuff them in the bench and here i go into the game uh, drinking a couple <laughs> hot dogs and uh pretty much zero preparation for the day well, the funny thing is, though, is because I'm imagining, because, you know, you're at the end of the bench, right? Correct. So if the play is going to the opposite side, everybody on your bench is looking that direct. You are the furthest. Nobody can see you unless there's like an equipment manager or somebody to your right side. Nobody can see you. So it's just like, I'm just imagining it in my head. And I think it's absolutely hilarious. I think it's just. Because nobody, nobody on the bench is going to like look to the right randomly, but, um, no, that's right. <laughs> um, but okay. But, uh, but then, uh, you get in there and how's the story in? Yeah. I, you know, I, if you can remember, I know it's a long time ago. That's, I mean, I probably went in and probably had a subpar performance as well. And <laughs> probably took a half of, half of the chewing in the locker room. And you know, yeah. probably got the old, the old is this uh, you, their goalie outplayed ours. Is Sauter the coach here? Yeah, yeah, I played all my years for uh, for Doug. Yeah, so the, the, the interesting thing is because you know, I was I'm you know from Tulsa, but it's one of those things where you kind of have like uh, an appreciation for Oklahoma City. It's like I always knew who Oklahoma City's like players were. And like, you know, I was, I was well aware because the whole rivalry and everything, but like nothing but respect for that guy. I mean, he, he is kind of our, um, I feel like he's kind of our Gary Younger a little bit, who's also been on the podcast and you can check him out on episode. I can't remember what it is, but he's, I've been on here too. Um, but it is one of those things where I felt like he was our, uh, guy that's just like, you know, just super respected and, 
I'm assuming he's still respected. I don't know if he still lives in Oklahoma City or not, but um, what was it like, I mean, playing for him? Because I just, I've heard a lot of the same things about him that I did Gary, that, you know, just players love him, but, you know, he, he holds you accountable. Um, but at the end of the day, like players coach and just all around a good guy. Yeah, Doug was, Doug was about as old school as it got. I was, you know, I come down to Oklahoma City and, and you know, we're playing at the time. It was called the Ford Center. It's this beautiful rink. And we go out on the ice for the first practice. And, and here comes Doug with, with a pair of roping gloves, cowboy hat, blue jeans, and, uh, you know, his tracksuit coat. And I'm looking around and I'm like, this can't be, this, this is, there's no way this is happening. Like this is professional hockey. That's our coach. And, but you know what the guy, so he was hard, um, but he, 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 he just tried to push you. Right. And he Mm -hmm. was like the old school push you kind of beat you down to get motivated to, to work harder and, and this and that. But, you know, at the end of the day, away from the rink, like the guy would do anything for you. Like he's got Mm -hmm. a heart of gold. And, you know, that's why he's such an icon here, you know, with his, his com- community involvement was incredible. You know, he understood what brought fans in the building and what made hockey in Oklahoma successful. And he's, you know, he still lives here. He's, uh, he actually just got married last week to, to a lady from, from Saskatchewan. And he, mm-hmm. uh, we brought him out to the, uh, the Warriors the, the NA game the other day and uh, had him drop the puck and yeah there kinda, you go. we had our own little kind of Warriors yeah. reunion or Blazers reunion all the guys that still live here we all got together and sat in the suite in the corner and watched the game so it was pretty cool to to see a bunch of faces that uh, I haven't seen for a while oh and, yeah uh, but that yeah but that but that's awesome and what I find with you know, because I feel like a lot of my coaches growing up, and I feel like I've taken a lot of this from them, but is that old school coaching? But that old school coaching, it's, it's, they, they're trying to help you, you know, because it worked for them. And I feel like, you know, because I'm coaching right now as well, but there are times to where I have to stop myself and say, Adam, you're being a little bit too much old school, you know, like these kids are a little bit more removed. Like coaching is, I feel like, is a little bit different. Uh, than it was when I was growing up and possibly when you were growing up. But, you know, I found success from my coaches growing up of the ones that were a little bit old school and maybe a little bit harder and had a certain, you know, um, well, they just had a certain level that you needed to reach. And if you didn't, you know, that was on you. It wasn't on them. It's like, um, whereas I feel like now and you're, you're coaching now, but now things are a little bit different. You kind of to and i'm not you know uh, i'm not saying this is a bad thing but you kind of have to be a little bit more uh or less kind of strict and kind of and every coach kind of has their thing but i found success being coached the old school way so it's one of those things to where sometimes you can look at old school coaches and say oh you know they're a little rough or a little tough but at the end of the day they're doing it because they think that that is going to make their team the best and you're going to get the most out of it uh, whether or not that type of coaching can uh, sustain for long periods of time, I'm not quite sure. But um, at the end of the day, like I, I think I still to this day understand kind of that accountability. I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to kind of just make you a good hockey player and this and that. And things have changed a little bit, but I can certainly still respect. And I feel like it's going away a little bit too fast. And I, I kind of respect maybe a little bit more of the old school uh, capacity being involved in the game. Um, I'm not going to say that kids are soft these days, but I just, the game's changed a lot. We'll put it this way. And the way that the, I, I have kids saying things to me that I would have never said in a million years to any of my coaches. You know what I mean? Um, oh, yeah. and times, times are a little bit different, but I still get caught. I get caught off guard every once in a while. And I'm like, what year is this? I would have never, you know? And it's one of those things. And I'm not saying, you know, disrespect or whatever, but it's just, the game's changed and, and, and all of that. But with you coaching now, how do you kind of fall into that? Do you feel like 
you're an old school guy? Do you kind of fall in between? Um, how are you? How are you as a coach now that you're coaching? Yeah, I would say when I started coaching, I was like straight up old school. Um, you know, I, I'm still, I'm still a demanding coach. So mm-hmm. the biggest thing for me is 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 getting the kids to understand the life skills that come along with this game. Not everybody can play in the NHL. Not everybody can play Division One hockey or Major Junior or whatever it, whatever it is. So this game, more so than most, can teach you a ton of life skills, right? And obviously effort and attitude. Those are my two biggest things, right? So I just want kids to understand, like, number one, okay, we're going we're gonna to put in the effort. You put in the effort in this game. This game is going to give it back in different aspects of life. And, you know, like I look at my my career now, you know, I, I'm all about the effort. I'm all about the attitude in my business and things like that, right? And And that's been taught to me through the game. But I would say... You know, I have evolved a bit because I kind of, you, you start to see the change in, you know, in kids per se, right? And, and I, you yeah. know, I, I'm with you. I'm not going to call kids soft or yeah, yeah. say they're I, soft. I, 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 you know? <laughs> yeah, a little, yeah, I didn't know what to call it. <laughs> yeah, they're different, right? And, mm-hmm. and you know, you, you have to kind of understand, okay, you can, you can get, get onto this kid. And maybe the kid beside him, you know, maybe he needs a tap on the back, right? He, yeah. It's each kid's a little different. The guy that coaches with me now, Mick Berge, become one of my best friends uh, over the last couple of years. We have a really good relationship where we can kind of, you know, good cop, bad cop. You know, if one of us gets into a kid, the other guy can pull him aside and be like, you know, hey, do you understand what he's saying? You know, on kind of a calmer tone mm-hmm. yeah. so it's been nice that where we could kind of feed off each other and and uh and provide both for the kids right kind of give them the calming effect but also give them the stern hey we mean business you know this it's a passionate game you need to get passionate about it type of thing and you know i've i've learned a lot from different coaches you know i've the game's been so good to me to not only just be able to play, you know, living down in Oklahoma, I've met so many people, a lot of your, your, uh, former guests last week, <laughs> I saw my, uh, my good buddy Margo was on there. Oh yeah. 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 You know, so like just picking brains of these guys and, you know, talking things over and, you know, how do you deal with this situation type of, you know late night chats and you know it, it kind of helps everybody evolve together and ultimately be better for the kids and provide everybody a better experience and you know keep pushing these kids to uh to achieve their dreams well yeah and, and the crazy part is like you know i do this podcast like first of all because i enjoy it um and i also do think that people get something out of it but like i also get stuff out of it i mean when i have people like you or margo or any, I've had a bunch of really, really good coaches on, and I steal things from you guys all the time. All the time. I'm constantly stealing ideas because we get to talk about them during the podcast, and then I get to use them. And I'm like, but the thing is, is like, once it gets said, I'm just like, that's a great idea. I just never thought of it. Like, I already know that that will work. I just never thought about doing it. So it is, one of the, it is one of those things where it's like literally like, okay, like, who could I have on next week? Could it be a coach? Uh, but anyway, the, the reason this podcast exists is, for people to learn, for me to learn, for uh, people to get their stories out. But um, anyway, we are almost at the end of the episode. And I will say, um, this has been, Sean, this has been one of my favorite ones. I've really enjoyed this. It's been very natural. Uh, You're great on the microphone. Uh, If you ever decide to do your own thing, I think you'd be really good at it. Um, But this is kind of the last part of the show. I know that the show is usually very open format. Um, I know that it's kind of just like, okay, there's no rules to this. We can just say whatever. Um, but this is the shout out and there's rules to this. So this is where you have to really pay attention. There's instructions, uh, there's manuals, um, but you essentially have to say something 
positive. Um, this could be uh, friends and family shout out. This could be a coaching mantra. Uh, this could be an idea. Um, I've even opened it up to being a sound. Uh, out of I think this will be like episode 100 and I can't remember. But there's only been one sound. I don't necessarily need you to do the sound. I'm just trying to show you that it could be anything uh, under the sun that is positive. It will leave people feeling better uh, than before they heard it. So do you have a shout out uh, ready? Yeah, I would say my shout out probably goes to probably goes to my mom. You know, like I said, this game has uh, has given me so much, and my mom was kind of the, the the driving force in the background of not necessarily pushing me, but you know, being that that support that was always there and good game, bad game. You know, just the smiling face, the hug, you know, just that support factor throughout my hockey. And, um, you know, she was the one that would, you know, call me after every game, whether it was playing junior hockey or playing, you know, professional. She wanted to know what happened. She listened to every game, either listened to it, watched it, but she wanted to know the details, you know, what happened here. What, and it was just, it was, it was a great sounding board for me. It was, uh, it was just somebody that I knew that was always in my corner and, and, and provided me that support, you know? So I would say my mom and, and probably if I had to do one more, I'd say my wife. I mean, I, you know, being a hockey director here, a coach, being a professional hockey player, you know, it was, uh, there's a lot of lot of long days and you know my wife just kind of takes care of the crew here with you know we got three kids and she uh, she's the scheduler she gets us on to everywhere and you know kind of keeps the ball rolling in the family so i would i would i just big shout out to my mom and, and my wife christy well i think those are both wonderful shout outs and i forgot who it was but a couple weeks ago we kind of dove into you know, if you can find somebody, um, you know, because you're busy, obviously, with all the hockey got, that you have going on, plus three kids, you, you have a full family. But it's almost like I feel like anytime you make it to a place, because, you know, they, they might say, hey, like, Sean, he's made it here. Da, 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 da. But that may not have happened had you not had the support of the people around you. But, you know, sometimes the people that see your success only see your success and sometimes don't see the people that helped you get there. And I feel like that's why the shout out is a good thing, but it's also why uh, there's just like a special place in heaven uh, for the people that have to deal with busy hockey coaches, players, uh, any of that stuff. Because it, it was funny when you're talking about your mom calling you and, and wanting kind of the extra detail because she was probably just as much a part of this whole journey as you were, you know what I mean? And to throw oh, it's, it's almost like she wants to still be a part of it and saying like, okay, like I'm still here. I might not be driving you to practice at, you know, uh, nine o'clock at night or 6am in the morning, but I'm still a part of this. I'm not just going to stop being a part of this just because you got a driver's license and played pro hockey. You know, what I mean? like I am still just invested in this, you know, just as much as you are. So it, it's really cool to see that. Um, and especially this isn't my shout out, but shout out just for goalie parents. I mean, goalie parents, jeez, the amount of stress that they have to go through sometimes. I always make this joke that you can see I can find the goalie parents anywhere. They're the ones that are on the opposite side of all the other parents and uh, they're behind the net and they're usually stressed out um, until the end of the game. And they they give the, the biggest yell or yelp in the world uh, for the wins. But uh, yeah, shout out to goalie parents for sure. Am I right? Yes, I, I, I would agree with that. You, you can <laughs> definitely spot the goalie parents. You know, usually they're kind of doing the, the two-foot shuffle like a kid at a eighth-grade dance trying to figure it out for the first time. You know, that nervous kind of side-to-side shuffle. And, yeah, yeah. no, it's it, – it, I – my son, I, I could tell you today if I – if I got in the vehicle and said, do you want to play goalie today? He would change in a heartbeat. Yeah, I just, I can't bring myself to do it. I don't think my wife could bring herself <laughs> to, to go through that again after watching me. And 
Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she she's yeah. doing du- double time now. She's like, I have to do this again. Like, and, right. <laughs> and I, we just we we just reset the whole thing, and I'm gonna have to be doing this for another ten years or however long it ends up being. Uh, but yes, that, that that's why the women around us uh, play a huge role in this. But uh, I do have to. I still have to give my shout out. I've done my shout. So I have right. to do mine. Okay. So here's my shout out. Um, so Spotify does this thing at the end of the year. A lot of people post their things about like, oh, I've listened to this person or this podcast or this whatever. And uh, I'm gonna take a moment and I'm I'm still humble. I'm a humble guy, but I, they gave me some stats. I usually, I do not look at a lot of the stats. I don't think it's really that important. Um, it doesn't really change like what it is I'm going to do. Like I do this because I like it and I feel like other people like it. And that's why I'm going to continue to do it. But the cool thing is, is when you see the stats and you're like, Oh, I talk for how many minutes and whether or not people listen to it or not is whatever. But it said in the year of 20 or, uh, 2022, I had spoken or my guests have spoken for over 2000 minutes. And that's just in, 22, which is really cool. And it also gave me another stat, and I'm uh, choosing to believe this, but it's from like eight different countries. This is this podcast is kind of one of those things, and a lot of people have things like this in their life that they just kind of do every day or every week or every month, and then it goes on for a while, and then they they kind of like take a moment and they look back at where they started, and they're like, oh, like that was, that was a long time ago. Like I had no idea if you were to tell me that that had happened, but. It's just because that this is something that is fun and I enjoy and it makes it uh, easier to do. But I guess my shout out is for progressing to the point to where you can look back at where you started and you get confused and you don't know what happened because it was that long ago. And there have been so many great things that had happened in between. But, you know, you're just doing it because you enjoy doing it and because you think it's useful. And uh, anyway. Is the shout out for me? I've never done a shout out just for me, but I feel like that's what this, this just was. Yeah, my shout out's for the podcast. I've never done this before, okay? This is this is the shout out. The shout out is for the podcast. And I guess it's for Spotify for putting up the numbers of the things. But anyway, um, I'm just going to be proud of myself and I'm going to be proud of my partner, Matt Taylor, um, who does a lot of work behind the scenes, even though you don't hear from him. Uh, he's editing these episodes. He's putting these out. He runs the website. He does all the things. So shout out to him too. But every once in a while, um, through your path to wherever you're kind of trying to get to, uh, it's important to look at where you came from. And I don't know. I'm just really proud of where the podcast is. Um, so anyway, uh, this is a very selfish shout out for the podcast itself. And uh, yeah, this is just where we're at. But uh, Sean, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um my mother still lives in Oklahoma. She actually lives in Oklahoma City. I'm planning on coming up around the holidays. Uh, I know that you and uh, some of the boys that I've had on before uh, still live up there. It would be great to actually see you guys in person. Uh, Absolutely. My, I will say my 12U team went up for the Oklahoma Hockey Day, I believe it was called. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, so it was, I, I believe, the inaugural game for uh, the junior team, the Warriors. Um, we great. came up and we played your 12U team, which is very good. Your, your 12 you uh the, the the it's within the rec league but they are definitely right, a right. very very good team um but anyway we played them uh we lost by by quite a few but anyway um i was really it's one of those things to where i was really happy to see where oh because I, I love oklahoma hockey i'm from oklahoma i'm an oklahoman i live in texas now but i'm an oklahoman and i will tell people that um uh, but at the end of the day, I was just, I was really happy to see the amount of enthusiasm and the cool things that were happening uh, in Oklahoma City. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I want to support you guys however I can. Uh, you guys have, because I, I know a lot of you coaches, you know, professionally, and there's just so many good coaches up in the Oklahoma City region. And um, anyway, so my second shout out is for uh, Oklahoma City and the coaches of Oklahoma City. And uh, I wish you guys nothing but the best. Um, so Sean, thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you for making Oklahoma City hockey uh, cool and fun. And you guys are doing a lot of good things up there. Yeah, Adam, no, I, I appreciate the invite. It was, uh, it was a blast doing this. Um, I'll, I'll do it anytime for it. And uh, definitely appreciate the, uh, you know, the shout out to 
OKC hockey or, or hockey in Oklahoma in general, we, uh, we, we got, we got some things moving forward in the right direction. We got a lot of, a lot of good people involved that, you know, that care about, you know, building the sport and, and pushing the kids along. So yeah, no, definitely appreciate that. And, uh, again, appreciate the invite. It's been a blast. All right. Well, hey, Sean, um, I think the last thing I have to do is tell everybody how they can get a hold of us. Uh, they can get a hold of us on faceoffspotpodcast.com. I'll say that one more time. It's faceoffspotpodcast.com. Uh, you can check us on iTunes and Spotify. We have a Facebook. We have an Instagram. Um, so you can get a hold of us uh, wherever you can find things. And uh, that's because of Matt Taylor. Shout out again to Matt Taylor, uh, my partner in crime. You don't hear from him, but he's always there. Um, but anyway, uh, and also shout out to Howie's Hockey Tape Company. Uh, enter the coupon code FACEOFF and then the number 10 to get 10% off of any of your Howie's Hockey Tape purchases. Uh, but anyway, once again, uh, Sean Connors, thank you for coming on. Uh, this is one of my favorite episodes. This seemed very natural and you're a lot of fun to talk to. Uh, if I go up and visit my mom, I don't know. I might holler at you guys and uh, maybe we can uh, hang out for a bit. Anytime, buddy. Hey, thanks, Sean, and thanks for everybody for checking out this episode. Uh, we have episodes coming out every Thursdays. Uh, just check out for the next one. All right. Later, guys.